welcome back, pool fans from across the country and around the world. You are listening to American Billiard Radio. Today is October 2nd, 2014, and my name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host again this week. We had a great uh, World Cup of pool, man. That was uh, exciting there for a little while. I say that because America got eventually got knocked out of it, but... You know, our guys put up a pretty good fight. you got to hand it to them for that. And, of course, uh, congratulations to Carl and uh, to Darren. And speaking of Darren, we're going to have Darren on the show tonight. Mark uh, Cantrell spoke to him for about four hours, (laughs) and we happen to have captured it and going to share it with you. Also going to send out uh, some congratulations to uh, Karen Kaur. You know, uh, CSI just announced that uh, the USA Pool League has uh, sent her along as a uh, captain, coach, I guess coach is probably a better word for it, to travel with the juniors overseas to their nationals. I think that was a great move uh, on their part because uh, the juniors could certainly use our support. And, you know, when you're overseas like that, um, for some of these kids not even having played in that type of a, a venue before, it'll be really good to know that they've got somebody there uh, looking out for their best interests as far as uh, the rules and, uh, uh, you know, different parameters of attending at such a big term- tournament like that. So, anyway, hats off to Karen for uh, that sponsorship. That's really going to be a big help to the, to the juniors. And, of course... Ah, the countdown has begun. The U.S. Open on its way. What is it, about 11 days now? Um, so if you're not in, you better get in. And if you're going to be in the area, then by all means, you guys should go stop in and see that because there's going to be some awesome pool going on. And uh, speaking of awesome pool, there's also, um, what is it, um, Earl Strickland versus John Mora? Is that correct? Going on right now as we speak. So um, if you didn't know, it's a free stream, and you can go catch up with that on uh, the AZB TV channel, which is uh, Ustream slash AZB TV. So, yeah, lots of great pool going on. Congratulations to Carl, Darren, hats off to you, and especially Darren, man, he's just unstoppable these days. We're going to be right back after your one-minute pool instructor. Hi, I'm Scott Lee. And Randy G. And this is the One Minute Pool Instructor. And we're continuing on this week with some more information on old dogs and new tricks. Well, I think we, we left off with the idea of the 80-20. In, in that uh, um, proper practice in the end will prove positive in your game. Um, but there's, there's still things more. It, it's how long should we uh, practice, you know? Uh, the key of changing a habit is being patient and being very persistent with that habit, all right? In other words, we have to always maintain a positive attitude, and you keep going until that habit 
follows you in, into game day. And shows up in your game. Yeah. Absolutely. Worst thing we can do is try to learn something and immediately incorporate it into our competitive game oh. because you can't think and play. Right in the middle of a shot, you're thinking about something <laughs> and you miss the shot. That's absolutely so true. So one of the things we talk about 80-20 uh, in the beginning where you're spending the majority of your time, whether it's one hour, two hours, three hours, whatever, uh, practicing disciplined exercises and then finishing up with 20% uh, as a free play reward. reward. Play, yeah. Now once your process has become more ingrained and you start uh, able to do it without thinking about it, then we come to the 2080 concept where you're only doing disciplined practice for 20% of your allotted practice time and then rewarding yourself with free play the majority of the time. Whether that be competitive play, playing the ghost, uh, shooting certain shots, whatever it is that you want to practice the break. Uh, so th I think that uh, that then talks about how long do we have to practice to make this new process a part of our uh, highly competitive uh, gaming. And one thing we've, we know and we tell every student is immediately after you learn something new there's going to be a period of time where you have to let the medicine work. And once again that's that gestation period or, or that incubation period where the medicine is starting to take hold for you. And, uh, and then the normally accepted period of time there is somewhere between two and three weeks right. for most players. Right. And if you got a really bad habit it might be a little longer but if you don't have a bad habit it might be a little shorter. Absolutely. We've certainly seen uh, students that learned something new and incorporated it immediately into their game and did well with it. On the other hand, we've also seen people that learned something new, tried to put it into their game. Still don't have it there. Couldn't make a ball in the ocean because they were thinking too much. So the whole idea is that if you're going to compete after you learn something new, you either have to go in with your eyes open or maybe you hold off for a little while. Right. Now there's what we call that crossover period. What is that, Scott? Well, you have to cross over uh, from the conscious analytical side of your brain. That's a training period. That's the yeah. training and practice routines to the subconscious creative motor function of just playing, which is a different side of the brain. And, and a switch will, uh, will help us uh, aid in that crossover. So that means we have perfect practice routines that then uh, carry us right into our competitive game playing. I like that. I like that. Do you know, if you compared your um, pool training to the 30-day spring training of baseball, it would be just about identical. It would. It would, absolutely. I wonder how many ground balls a third baseman gets hit to him in spring training. I bet you quite a few. Thousand? <laughs> I bet. Might be. Yeah. So Not all on the same day, though. Oh, no. Not all the same day. This is Randy G. And I'm Scott Lee, and, and this I'm, has been the One Minute Pool I'm sorry, Scott. I, I was excited, and I'm Randy G. Right, absolutely. And we'll see you again next week. Welcome back to American Billiard Radio. This is the Legends and Champions Report, brought to you by Neil's Garage Cabinets of Mesa, Arizona. And uh, I'm your host, Mark Cantrell. And as usual, I always try and get a, a good guest. And... Uh, the man, or one of the men of the moment, is uh, my old buddy from Yorkshire, is uh, Dynamite Darren Appleton. How are you doing today, Darren? I'm doing very good. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. No problem. You're the man of the moment, you know. You and Carl, uh, it's been the latest thing that's happened was a World Cup of pool. 
And uh, I'm, I'm, you, I don't know, you may be tired of talking about it by now, but <laughs> uh, I, I'm not sure I'd be tired about talking about it. <laughs> I'll talk about it the rest of my life if I if I did in that spot. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the, we're, we're not going to get tired about talking about that. You know, I was looking at the the, the finals uh, with the Holland and uh, England A, and yep. that reasonably, without, you know, it, it might not be that practical, but that could be four of the five players for the team Europe. What's going to cut? Yeah, I think there's a very good chance. Obviously, Niels is guaranteed because he's uh, top of uh, two of the rankings. He's top of the combined rankings and he's top of the world uh, rankings. So, that, and obviously, he's world nine ball champion. So, he's uh, guaranteed a spot, uh, even if he don't get a ranking spot. I would imagine, but he's guaranteed. He's 99% guaranteed to finish uh, number one on the world rankings and uh, the combined rankings. What the uh, criteria they use for the Bosconi Cup. So, uh, obviously, he's nailed on. He's probably the best player in the world the last 12 months. So, he deserves that. Obviously, Nick. Uh, they're actually playing a tournament in uh, Holland right now. It's the last Euro Tour to qualify for the Moscone Cup uh, for the Euro, Euro ranking. And uh, Nick is currently number two in the rankings on that. He's uh, maybe two points behind Dennis Graves. So it's uh, going to be an interesting week and a lot of pressure on them guys to try and get a spot for the Moscone Cup. Uh, obviously, it's everyone's dream. Uh, and there's a few guys in with a chance, like Dennis Graves leading the rankings, and uh, he's won the last two Euro Tour events. So, I mean, he's a good young young player from Estonia, so that'd be amazing if he was to qualify. But obviously, Nick, with his experience, is going to be right there somewhere. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a good chance that all four of us uh, could get in. But uh, me and Carl are more or less looking for wildcards uh, because we don't play... Because uh, myself, I don't play on the Euro Tour. So that sort of rules me out of getting any chance of a ranking. Uh, my only chance is to qualify for the world rankings, and uh, we've only had two world ranking events this year, which was the China Open and the World Nine Ball. And even though, though I did okay, I didn't do great. And uh, obviously, people like Niels won won them events. So it's very difficult to qualify now if you if if you are from uh, Europe, and especially if you don't live there. For people like me, Tarsen and Mika. So uh, after riding a wild card and obviously winning the World Straight Pool, winning the World Cup of Pools, it's give me a pretty good chance of getting a wild card. And obviously Carl lives in Blackpool, where the Moscone is going to be held, and obviously he's having a decent, solid year. And uh, obviously we him being a local boy, that also gives him a good chance. And usually Matron want uh, two British players in the Moscone. So uh, long as uh, another British player doesn't qualify for the rankings, I think we have a good chance of getting a wild card. Right, because it's the, the top three from, taken from the rankings and then the last two are wild cards. Yeah, and, two wild cards, yeah. And, 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 you know, obviously it's Metroom's uh, d- decision, um, but you, you brought up some points there that, you know, they like to have two English fellows on there and then that kind of thing. But it'd be tough to discount the world champions, you know, the team champions, uh, playing doubles, because you got to play doubles in the Moscone Cup. Uh, and it'd be kind of tough to discount uh, you two out of it. So, uh, yeah, obviously I, winning the World Cup of Pool was a massive goal of ours, uh, even without the Moscone. I mean, obviously, if someone said to me, you win the World Cup of Pool, but you don't play in the Mos- Moscone Cup, I'd uh, snap their arm off. I mean, uh, <laughs> the, the World Cup of Pool is a massive title to win. I mean, at this moment in time, it's one of the biggest tournaments for us to win right now, because obviously, like, uh, the... The professional circuit's not great at the moment. It, it's okay, but, it's, but, it, but it isn't like it was. So obviously, uh, these big events where it's live television, especially in England as well, obviously it was a massive uh, 
accomplishment for us to win it. Uh, and obviously, well, it pays it pays more money than the U.S. Open does. Yes, yeah, like thirty thousand dollars each plus plus you get your your sponsorship and stuff like that, and obviously a few invites here and there. So obviously it's worth a bit of money, and obviously it gives us a great chance to get over in the Moss Coney Cooks. Because like like you said, it, it's a matchroom event. Uh, so that definitely helps when you win a matchroom event towards a wild card, and uh, obviously uh, we're a great doubles team. I mean, uh, we've we've proved it over the years, and uh, uh, and obviously Nick and Neil's are. So obviously all four players are going to be in the mix for the Moscone. Right. But again, if you're European, it's not it's not guaranteed because there's so many good players now. You got, uh, so you got people like Ralph, Torsten, Mika, and uh, uh, I mean the list goes on. I mean, there's like 10 or 12 players now. Europe is so strong, Al, uh, as far as experienced world champions. Forget I was talking to somebody about the potential European team and counting how many world champions there were that potentially could be on. Everybody on the team could be a world champion. Yeah, of course. In 2009, all, all five players in 2009 was all world, world champions. Myself, Niels, Mika... Carson and Ralph uh, was all five world champions, but it doesn't always make a great team, and we happen to get beat that year. So, <laughs> yeah, so again, the, but, uh, but whoever we pick is going to be a strong team. But uh, obviously, with uh, the European guys are very disciplined, very dedicated, they're very hungry. So, uh, and we travel the world. So, uh, obviously, right. that's why we've 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 really been dominant, really, around the world for the last six seven years, uh, along with uh, Asia. But I mean. Uh, uh, well, where obviously I'm, America, that, that the, the only downside with the American players, with the exception of one or two, is that they don't travel enough to the big tournaments. So they're, they're, well, not, gonna, com, they're not competitive I'm, enough on the big stage. I'm going to come back to the Moscone Cup in, in just yeah. a little bit because I want to get your opinions on it. Um, and I'd like to finish up on the World Cup of Pool because, you know, yeah. just like anything else, no matter what happens, there's always somebody has something to say. People have different opinions. And, you know, there's the um, side of the things that say you guys got lucky to win, and yep. um, which you, you can you can say kind of you did, but you can also say you got unlucky as well when you coming up with you know a foul was it an illegal break or uh, mm. the balls the balls run funny for everybody kids I think as Paul Newman said so. Um, what was your thoughts? Did you did you like the the way everything took? Well, you see, like the way everything turned out. But yeah, uh, obviously, in the end of the match, I mean, all obviously to win it the way we won it, it was better for TV. So obviously, uh, I wouldn't like to be doing that every week, like uh, because obviously the pressure, the torture. I mean, it was crazy, and obviously we we didn't play our best game. Uh, but having watched it back, uh, we played a lot better than what I thought. Uh, uh, obviously, during the match, uh, we made a big mistake in the second rack to go 2-0, uh, scrapped on the eight ball, and that sort of like knocked us back a little bit. And then uh, Ollen started to get the roll of the balls because they, uh, having watched the match back, uh, uh, they uh, missed quite a lot of balls in the match. That I think I counted they missed like seven or eight balls in the match. What what uh, uh, their level they shouldn't miss, but they were getting, but they got away with maybe. 50% of them were like, where they missed the ball and left it safe. So obviously, and then like leaving difficult safeties for us. So the only thing what me and Carl didn't really do well in the match was the safety side of the game. Like we we played a few loose loose safeties after they missed or made a mistake, and uh, we didn't we didn't break as good as them. So obviously, Holland were getting a lot more uh, opportunities than us, 
in the match and we we were just punishing their mistakes really and uh uh but a few times they got away with it so they they managed to build up a lead like six three we out we out playing well and uh we wasn't particularly playing bad like we just wasn't getting the roles and that's pull you know what i mean but we just said like hang in there because obviously we could see that we was really nervous obviously that they lost in the final last year in the same manner really against the philippines they, they had opportunities to win and uh they couldn't get over the line uh so at 6-3, we, we hung in there. We played really good to go 6-5, and then uh, uh, they won the next game. And then uh, from 7-5, we uh, got back to 7-7. Cal, Cal made the 9 ball on the break, so we're thinking, oh, maybe we're, we're like destined to win now. And then uh, and then uh, them two played well in the next two racks, so then we like losing 9-7. Uh, but we just never stopped believing, and uh, we played our best pull then. Like we, we took out two really, really great finishes to get back to 9-9. And then obviously the last rack, you're just thinking, uh, don't scratch on the break and just give us a chance to uh, a chance to win the match. And obviously I scratched on the break, uh, so then you, you like fear the worst when you see the layout. And uh, I was just praying that somehow that they could mess it up. And obviously uh, Nick didn't get Neil's very good shape on the eight ball, uh, and uh, Neil's Neil's missed the eight ball jack jacked off the side of the rail. And like obviously we, we we like jumped out of our chair, but obviously Carl had a a tough shot on the eight ball. It's a long shot, and obviously uh, at that stage, I mean, your your heart rate's really high, and the pressure's like crazy. And uh, I was just happy that it was Kyle shooting the eight ball and not me. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> uh, I can't imagine the honestly the, the pressure there is that makes the easiest of standard routine shots become yeah. harder because oh yeah, if you've got those same shots when it's one one. Or two, yeah. two, or even three, three. You know mm. that it's not necessarily the end of the thing. Right? Yeah, it's not. Oh, it's, yeah. You know how. But with that final wreck, that you you make that mistake, you, the chances yeah. are you're done, and that's yeah. what builds that pressure. So well, the, the, the 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 pressure was amazing. I'm like, I'm just praying like he makes it. But when I when I looked at the shot after they missed, I've looked at the shot. I'm thinking, I'm I'm just glad it's Carl shooting it. He, it was a tough shot than what it looks on television uh, because he had like a little funny angle on it. It wasn't a natural angle, so he had to play it with a touch of left hand uh, English on the white ball to get shape on the nine ball. So obviously, uh, when when your all all uh, body's shaking, it's not really something you want to do. You, you just want to play centre cue ball. So obviously, he missed it by a fraction. He hit it pretty, pretty good actually without making it. Uh, and then luckily, uh, then the eight ball came across the table and uh, put him in a good snooker and that was a real big role that was the only real big big role we had in the match really uh, well like, obviously when uh, Alan missed uh, when Alan missed during the match and there was getting away with, with a few obviously nobody really looks back at that because it was early in the match you know what I mean but uh, but every rack adds up you know what I mean so all so all the roles they had in the match uh, the, the first half of the match especially uh, obviously, in the end, like we we got the biggest role when it counted the most, uh, and obviously, and look, luckily for us, like he gave me a shot at the eight ball, but it still wasn't an easy eight ball. Like when you're under that pressure, you you've got it's easy to butcher it. You know what I mean? So I'm just telling myself to keep my head still and just uh, just don't put much of a backstroke on it. Just just like just to, to like stab it, and luckily it went in the centre of the pocket, and uh, obviously we knew we won. Then like obviously Cal Cal. Uh, it, his arm would have to drop off really to miss the nine ball, and then obviously the the emotions after was uh, just crazy, like just like a lot of relief, and obviously very excited and very happy, and uh, 
Yeah, we we, the, uh, we sort of lost control of our emotions after we won, but uh, they would have been the same as well if they had won. I mean, it's just, uh, but obviously made good 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 television. It's like an out of body experience, like when the nine ball goes in. I mean, uh, it's uh, obviously it's a tough sport. Uh, there's not like massive events, and the money's not like golf and tennis and snooker and stuff like that. So when you get the opportunity in these big events, obviously you you got to take your chance and uh, you you go enjoy it. Right. Yeah. And obviously uh, for us it was massive, especially being at home. Yeah. Well, at home it's not. You know, you, what do you call home now? It's Philadelphia. Well, obviously, like obviously, I'm I'm um, I'm living in America now, but obviously, I'm still very English. I, I, I'll uh, obviously uh, I'm uh, I'm English guy. Obviously, living in America, but obviously, my my art in a ain't like in the England life. So every time I I go back there to play, obviously, I I feel at home. I mean, uh, that's where I've 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 lived for most most of my life and that's where all my uh, friends and fam- family are and obviously uh, it's very important to remember your roots. I used to talk like you when I first came over here, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess the accent changes slightly. Obviously, uh, I probably speak a little bit slower than what I used to do when I first come to America. Nobody understood me, so I've had to learn how to speak a little bit slower. Well, that, that's, that's what's happened to me. My, everything I've done since I came here has been something to do with having to talk to people and being understood. And yeah. uh, the first job I had, I was selling cable TV door-to-door. And the first door I knocked on, I got my little line for give my free install and a free movie channel on HBO for the month. And yeah. uh, they closed the door and said, we don't speak Spanish here. <laughs> that's why I got that was my first interaction with uh, trying to work in this country. So. Yeah, and especially if you're from Yorkshire in the uh, UK as well, because you uh, obviously you're very, uh, very deep accent, so uh, it's difficult to understand. If uh, but 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 I find I find it funny when I when I go back home, like and listen to people speak. Now, obviously, you you notice it even more. Yeah, uh, and even when I go back to England, I probably go. I go back to my old life, so to speak, and you, uh, there's like a lot of missing uh, letters, and uh, the uh, slang's a lot different to what it is over here. So obviously, uh, I've sort of got like two two ways of speaking now. <laughs> yeah, um, you've you've had quite a year uh, so far. Um, you know, you've you've done well in a number of tournaments, and uh, you even got got married. Yeah, I'm 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 a little bit surprised with the year. Obviously, at the start of the year, uh, I had nowhere to practice at all because the local pool room where I used to play closed down, so I, I didn't have anywhere to practice. So I, I would just go into the competitions and just playing, just trying to play my way into the tour- tournament. And obviously, we we bought an house and we were renovating that from like maybe January till till like maybe two months ago. So I mean, we've been really busy with the house, so I haven't really practiced at all this year. Uh, and then I. And then, so, like, the first four or five months of the year, I was just going to the events and just, like, uh, winging it, really, and but just trying to play my way into the events and uh, didn't have the same motivation and dedication as what I have in the previous years. But I just managed to do okay. I was, I was like, doing solid, uh, won a few decent events, and I was uh, finishing, like, in the top ten of most events. We out, we out uh, do, do, doing as well as, like, the big players like Shane and Dennis and all them guys. But... Uh, but I was doing enough like just to keep ticking over, and then uh, 
got got my own table in the house around April, May, uh, but still, like, because all that busy with the house renovating and trying to get things for the, ready for the wedding, I, I still wasn't putting the hours in what I should have been, and uh, uh, so I, I'm pretty fortunate that I've uh, had the ability to do well without really practicing this year especially, uh, but the big turning point was obviously uh, about uh, two weeks before, no, about three three weeks before the wedding, I, I, I won an event, and then I played well in the CSI event in Las Vegas. We we out to do, doing great in the event, but obviously it was a tough field, and you, you needed a bit of luck. And then uh, the week before the wedding, I won the World Straight Ball. I beat Shane Mamboni in the final, and I played perfect. And that 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 really built the uh, momentum then. And then obviously, uh, so like the last six weeks probably been the best six weeks of my life. Obviously winning the World Straight Ball, and then the week after getting married, and then uh, straight after the wedding, I, I, I won an event in uh, Lancaster in uh, Pennsylvania, and then I went to uh, Richmond, Virginia, won the American Straight Ball Championships there, and then uh, went from there to England, and obviously won the World Cup of Pull, and uh, played really really solid, and obviously back in America now, and uh, it's a really for some reason, I I always seem to play my best pull uh, around the fall, like September, October, November, and December. So uh, uh, I don't know why, but I, I always have like a really good run, like towards the back end of the year. So uh, obviously, uh, I need I need to assess uh, to assess my uh, my my game and my mental side, like for like maybe January to March, and let's say June to. July, I don't seem to do that well during the months, maybe because of the summer, I don't know, I get a little bit lazy, I just want to play golf or something, <laughs> uh, but obviously in the pool it's very tough because we don't really have like an off-season, so it's difficult to really keep motivated uh, 12 months of the year, so you, you're going to have like your down time and uh, your little spells where it's not you're not really on your game because you sort of like you sort of like mentally switch off uh, really for, a, for like a month or two and uh, I don't like playing pool like twelve months of the year, especially like obviously now as well. Like I got an house, I'm married, so uh, just trying to find the right balance and just trying to work myself up really for the big tournaments. I, I'm like a big stage player, really. I, I find it difficult to play the the, the local events and the smaller events, what uh, don't really pay much. And uh, so I'm sort of at a stage now where I just really try and uh, I try and build me around the big events and try and just get ready for the big ones because obviously if you're going to do well in the game that there the events you got to do well in and that's where the money is really yeah well you know like you said uh things are probably going to change for you a little bit as well with you being married which i'm still kind of looking for that invite that uh you know an invite to the wedding but, you got invite yeah i know well no i didn't actually it, it came by i guess it came back to you because i just moved all right just moved no, and MG no. contacted me, and I, that's a whole other story. I'll tell you about it later. Okay. No. <laughs> um, so we've still got more to do, and, and as I was uh, saying earlier, you know, starting off this year saying, well, there's really not much for the pros to do, and I, when you kind of look at it, the, it didn't look like there was much for a pro players to do, but for a certain few players... There are a lot. I mean, this year's not over yet. And if you look at what's just from recently with the World Straight Pool and then um, the um, World Cup of Pool, then next coming we've got coming up is the uh, U.S. Open. Yep. 
So we, we actually have the challenge champions next week. It's only four players. Four players, right. twenty-five thousand winner take all. So obviously, uh, there is still quite a lot out there for the top players because there's quite a few invitational tournaments, like you said, the, the World Cup, Pool, the World you, Pool Masters, Moscow, and here. Obviously, it depends where you're from and uh, blah blah. blah. You uh, won the challenge for the. Sorry. You won the challenge of champions a couple of times, then back to back. Yeah, I'm the. I'm the back-to-back champion. I won it in 2011, 2012. Last year they didn't they didn't uh, have it. Last year uh, they had the ladies tournament, uh, but not the guys. But they brought it back. Uh, but brought the men's event back this year. Uh, different location, uh, different organisers, and uh, obviously looking forward to the event. And uh, it's a really good event because it's televised on the ESPN, and there's a lot of pressure. It's 25,000 when it's so it's still a big tournament to win. And it's uh, been going like 21 years, so it's a uh, it's a big big event. So we so the, the next week and then when's the US Open? I know it's October. Yeah, um, the, we we have the Challenge of Champions. The men's event starts on the 7th of October. Obviously, only four players, short short races. So uh, that's played over one day. And then on the October the 8th, they have the ladies, and then uh, I guess they have the trick shot one on the 9th. And then uh, I actually go the US Open. Uh, Starts on the 13th of October to the 18th. The players meet on the 12th, and then it starts on the 13th, and that runs over five or six days. Uh, Shortened the field down this year, added uh, more entropy, so it'll be interesting to see how uh, if you get the entries and how the tournament uh, unfolds, uh, and if the money gets paid out, (laughs) because obviously there's nothing in escrow. So uh, Barry's got to come up trumps this year, because obviously. uh, it's uh, obviously it hasn't gone as smoothly as what they probably would have liked the last couple of years. So uh, very important that they uh, get it right this year. What What was your thoughts on the uh, price, the entry fee being raised, and uh, shot in the field? How do you feel about that? Uh, I'm not sure. I think. Uh, I- I don't disagree with shot in the field. I think maybe 128, 156 players is, is enough. Uh, uh, the only problem with the I entry fee, obviously, the original entry was a thousand dollars, and as soon as that went up there, I thought, well, that's going to scare all the uh, lower ranked players away, especially the amateurs, because when you look at it, uh, and it's going to scare like a lot of the foreigners away, because when you look at the expenses for someone going from Europe or the, or the Philippines, you're looking at three three thousand dollars before you hit the ball. So well, obviously, to, uh, be on- to be honest, Darren, it's not that far away for people coming from the USA. Yeah, I mean, obviously, even for like uh, somebody in America like myself, it's going to cost me like two thousand dollars for I I hit the ball. So, uh, obviously, if you come from abroad and you're paying that that extra flight money, then obviously uh, you're looking at three thousand dollars. So then, if you look at the prize fund, I mean, you have to sort of get in the top six really just to break even. Top eight, maybe the the the, the top eight to get your money back, which is never easy in a field like that. And then, obviously. Uh, I mean, obviously, you got to you 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 got to get in the top four really to make any real real uh, money. So it's tough, you know what I mean? Obviously, uh, so I, I wasn't I, I wasn't too keen on him uh, making the entry fee like a thousand a thousand dollars really. Uh, but obviously, uh, he must have been struggling uh, struggling to get the entries because he lowered it down to seven hundred and fifty. So it'd be interesting to see how many players he gets. But I think uh, the the only the only way I think. The, the the only thing the only good thing he's done is that it, it, it's sanctioned by the WPA and it's a ranking event and it's a tier two event so you get quite a lot of rankings 
points. Uh, so obviously, uh, you mind you mind get a few more players from Asia, Europe, and uh, Middle East. What wouldn't have come if it wasn't a ranking event? So uh, so it'll probably get like an extra twenty fifty entries there. So maybe he's got a chance to get, uh, like fill in the field. But if it wasn't a WPA ranking event, I, I don't think he would have had a chance of getting a full field. Well, the thing with the higher entry, in my opinion, but it's only gone down $250. It's not like he, he chopped it yeah. off or anything. And yeah. when you're paying the expenses that we talked about to yeah. go and play, you've got to have a load of money or just to go and be, you know, what they call dead money, or you've yeah. got to really feel you've got a chance to win. So if they, with a short field, it doesn't make it as easy because everybody you play is going to be decent, you think, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously in the past we used to get 256 players and no disrespect, but maybe 100 of them players were just uh, just uh, just there for the fun, really. Uh, they had no expectations and uh, obviously for the pros you you could really play three or four matches without having to break sweat uh, so that you could really play your way into the tournament. So the draw really played a big part in the US Open. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, you could have like three or four matches without playing anyone who's at your level and obviously that helps a lot with the draw. But, well, but obviously now we've only... 128 players, you mind to get lucky in the first round, but after that you're going to be playing really good players from then on, uh, which is obviously bet- better for the quality of the event, but obviously, like you said, uh, I-, I can't really see uh, the lower amateurs uh, paying seven- 750 and then plus like their hotel, their flights and their spending, so... Uh, so uh, the only good, uh, the un- the only way for the lesser players really to get in is probably is to win a qualifier or the rooms what are running qualifiers to try and get in that way. Uh, but obviously, I think it's better in some ways that it's uh, that the quality of the field is going to be really tough and uh, uh, nobody's going to be getting really good 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 draws. You know what I mean? So uh, you you don't have to be playing well from like the very start of the tournament. Yeah, and you brought up the money. Barry uh, has been on this show uh, yeah. a couple times, and I, I brought it to his attention. You know, hey, every year everybody has a concern about the money, what's going on with it. And he said, it's all handled, don't worry. Well, <laughs> I suppose that gets said every year. But um, I guess with the shot and field and the way they're doing things and... Uh, the location, I guess it's going to make it so that it's uh, profitable, or at least you'll have the money to do it. So, we'll, that's something we'll have to see. I mean, I wouldn't expect him to say, I'm not sure if the money's going to be that much, you know. Yeah. But uh, I guess Jay Helford's involved as well, and mm-hmm. uh, helping Barry, and that's. Right. That'll mean that means something because if if Jay didn't think the money was there, he wouldn't be a part of it. So yeah, um, yeah I mean, well, hopefully it goes well because it's one of uh, one of my favorite favorite events, and uh, obviously it's been running for like a, what this will be the thirty ninth year, so it's a very prestigious tournament. I mean, there's, there's a lot of history there. And well, it's, to me, it's, it's almost like a world title. 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, after, obviously the title's unbelievable, I mean, and, uh, it's a very tough tournament to win, it's a tough format, uh, you have to have uh, a lot of stamina, you need to be mentally strong, because you play a lot of matches, especially if you get beat early and you're going to lose a side, so obviously it's one of the toughest tournaments to win, uh, uh, obviously the prestige is there, uh, like you said, but like after winning the World 9, but it, it, after after the big world championship events, obviously it's 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 right up there with them. It's uh, it's like the in in uh, golf you have the Masters, the Open, the PGA, and the US Open. In pool, I think the big four tournaments for me is like the world the world nine ball, uh, the world ten ball when it's on, the world eight ball, and the the US Open. Uh, but but at the moment we don't have a world eight ball and a world ten ball. So obviously the the US Open for me rank is the second biggest title to win. After the world nine ball, and then obviously you got the matchroom events and uh, wherever else. Uh, so obviously it's uh, right up there for the prestigious titles to win in the game. And so I'm going to. Well, it seems like there's a lot of invitational tournaments as well now. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're a top player, then uh, you're lucky. I mean, but obviously you you got to earn the right like to be there. But obviously, if you're like a, a middle rank professional then it, uh, it's been a difficult year for them guys because uh, the CSI events have been cut down to 16 players so obviously the all 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 the guys play, who play in that are really top players so that sort of cuts off the uh, lower ranked players uh so the 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 mid ranked professionals now they might, they might only have like one or two events to play in and like the only other events they can play is like this, like uh, the US Open which is open and then uh, if they want to play in the World Nine Ball Championships or the China Open, they have to have like some some form of ranking to be able to go there. And then obviously they've, they've got to have the money to pay the expenses. So, yeah. So if you're a mid-ranked professional now, like ranked in the twenties or thirties, like good, good, good player, but not like a winner or a great player. I mean, uh, them. I would imagine them guys are just living off local events or they're looking to get jobs. I mean, that's how how difficult it it, it is now. And uh, and for the top professionals right now, I mean, they have to stay on top of the game because if they don't, then they're going to go down down that line also, where you, you you're going to have to start looking other ways to make a living. And uh, I'd probably say the first six months of this year, I've I've like been working out, obviously doing coaching and uh, uh, guaranteeing like a wage, really, without having to to have the pressure of playing in competition. So I've, so I've like stepped up doing coaching and uh, coaching schools and stuff like that. Because uh, obviously uh, you you got to try and uh, maximise your uh, earnings as much as you can. And uh, so I, I've been a bit more busy this year doing the, the like, the uh, coaching stuff and uh, stuff. And obviously did a, a coaching DVD this year, which is doing well. So, uh, so it's so it's nice if you're a top player and you you, you can still make some money, uh, but you're not going to get it by just uh, sitting on your ass. You've you've got to get out there and you've got to you've got to earn it now. Where like uh, three four years ago, we had about ten world ten world ranking events. We had about four or five year year ago, like, and uh, we had four four or five events in the Philippines. Uh, I mean, like big events. Uh, where now, I mean, if you look at the WPA. Ranking tournaments. Now we have the U.S. Open, the China Open, the World Nine Ball, and the Japan Open. But the Japan Opens in November. But 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 for someone like me, it it uh, just isn't worth going there because it's it's only seventeen thousand dollars to the winner. Uh, but they take twenty percent tax, so you're looking at thirteen thousand dollars to the winner, and your expenses to go to Japan. I mean, you're looking at for someone like me, it'd be like three, four thousand dollars because it's very expensive to go there. 
So I mean, uh, I mean, like it just doesn't make sense to to go there and play. So we've only really got three world ranking events at the moment, which is pretty sad. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, so hopefully next year, like they bring the world eight ball back and the world ten ball, which I've heard they're going to do, and ho- and hopefully they can get back on their feet and uh, start to rebuild for next year. Uh, but obviously, on the world level right, right now, it's not easy to uh, be a a professional pool player. Yeah, um, the last thing I'm, I'm going to like to talk to you about is the Moscone Cup for Team USA. Now, yep. you know, obviously you keep your eye on this stuff a little bit, at least, um, to see what's going on. Um, things have changed. Uh, as you know, the, uh, Mark Wilson is the new captain, coach. Um, and he has had the ability to pick his team all year since, what, January? Um, yeah, I think it was about January, late January maybe, early February. And that's, yep. never, been, that's never been done before. And uh, it, it's, I don't know, I'm not quite sure, because he could have picked the top five right there in January. Because he went to yeah. Derby City and for scouting purposes, or um, just talking to get a feel for people. Yeah, and he could have picked five then, but he picked I think twelve names and then cut it down to eight. Eight. Yeah. Where he's at now. Um, what's, what's your thoughts on that process? Do you think uh, Team Europe yeah. should have had it? I think it's great what he's doing. I mean, obviously he's trying to build a team and uh, trying to build like uh, team spirit and uh, trying trying to make to make and work as a team. Obviously, the last few years, have, uh, they haven't really worked as a team, obviously, and uh, the results have been really bad. Uh, so they had, they had to change something. Uh, the eight players thing, I'm not too sure. Uh, sort of for sort of like 50-50 with it. I mean, it's good that the eight players have been chose for them because they know that they've got they've all got a chance. Uh, but what surprises me is that some of the eight players, I haven't, I haven't heard of them playing in uh, competitions. I mean... Uh, I mean, uh, a few of the guys obviously working very hard to get on the team, but there's two or three of them guys in out out of the eight players uh, they didn't play uh, Turning Stone, uh, didn't play the events in Vegas, and uh, they haven't gone to the World Nine Ball Championships when they could have gone. Uh, didn't go to the China Open when some of them could have gone. I mean, so like uh, it sort of like surprised me really that two two or three of the players I haven't heard of them playing in, in any uh, rotation events like 9 ball and 10 ball I mean like, well, you know, like it, a lot of one pocket bar table but, uh, but that's that not going to do much for your game that just goes back to what we were just saying though is yeah. and, you, and you said it yourself some yeah. of these players because of the expense to go yeah. some of them you can understand why you know they choose not to go because You've got to go there with a real optimistic, realistic thought that you can win this thing. Now, every player should have that in their mind anyhow. But there's also reality, right? And sometimes you might have to catch up with reality a little bit and say, you know, I'm just not quite ready for it. Yeah. I'm, you know, to put that money up. Yes, it's good for the experience. And and get out there and get the ranking points and those kind of things. But to put out 3000 or more, knowing that you're spending that money basically on an experience lesson, um, you know, it's, it's kind of tough to, tough 
tough to swallow. Yeah, I, I, un I understand, but if you look at the World Nine Ball Championships, even if you just get through the group stage, which is not that difficult really, like you have to win two out of three matches to uh, qualify for the single elimination, which becomes last 64, you're guranteed like $2,000, uh, $2,500, uh, $2, so you sort of got your money back there. I mean, uh, at the level of players, the eight, the eight players, for example, who's been picked to represent America, I mean, them the eight, eight guys should be good enough to uh, compete, really. And uh, and Europe's the same. I mean, uh, we ninety percent of us pay our own expenses, uh, which people don't uh, believe. I mean, there's only really the, the Dutch guys who who have like uh, funding from their Olympic uh, committee, and all the rest of Europe really have got to pay their own way. So 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 we're in the same boat, really. I mean, uh, so, but obviously. Uh, uh, we, we have been disrespectful to the Americans. I, I just feel like we have a lot more ambition and a lot more discipline, and we're more uh, hungry, I think, for success. Where the Americans, it seems to me like they sort of want it all on a plate for them. They're, they're, they're not willing to take any risks, where the European guys are, are willing to take risks with their own money and stuff like that. And, uh, and a, a lot of the Americans, are, I'm pretty sure they can get steak costs. Or, or some sort of backing to go to these events, uh, uh, we, we, which is a shame because uh, there's there's talent there's there's definitely talent in America. There's a lot of good players, but they need to take it to that next level and be more competitive on the world stage because that because that's where you you can become a great player. But you're not going to you're not going to really become a great player just playing in America, playing on bar tables like valley tables and playing uh, one pocket matches. I mean it, it's 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 good for the pocket, I guess. But I mean, uh, if you want to be a world champion, then you have to take these risks. I mean, uh, we all start somewhere. And, uh, I mean, like, uh, so it really comes down to ambition, really. Uh, so, uh, and there's guys in America who's got the potential, like Justin Bergman. I think he's got potential to be a great, great player. And then uh, Skyler Woodward, all all them guys. So the talent's definitely there. They just need to. They just need someone. To, somebody to get behind them. And uh, they probably need to be a bit more professional as well. But uh, like you said, go going back to the eight players, I'm, uh, I, d I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't disagree with it. I don't agree with it. Cause for example, is that you got someone like Johnny Archer, who, in my opinion, is the best American team player of all time. So for me, I, I, I would have kept Johnny in the team for his experience because he's very good with the rookies. I mean, he's absolutely great with the rookies because uh, the year when Brandon played and the year when Mike Deshane played. Uh, the only two matches them two guys won is when they played Scotch doubles with Johnny, and Johnny was awesome with them. Uh, so I, I would have kept Johnny because I still think he's the best American team player. And then, then obviously Shane, and then like, and then I, I would have built the team around them two guys. And then, uh, and and then it it also comes down to like, for example, let's say you get somebody like Bobby uh, Morris. For example, let's say that he goes to the World Nine Ball Championships this year, uh, and he and he won it. I mean, like, how how can you leave out the World World Nine Nine Ball Champ Champion and not put him in the Moscone Cup? So uh, they were sort of closing the door on a lot on a lot of the players to try and qualify. I, I think I think I think they should have definitely left one or two spots open for a player to prove himself throughout the year. So for people like. Rodney Morris, or just as an example, they they must be like a little bit demoralised about even trying to uh, 
uh, travel and play because uh, obviously that they all want to try and get their name in the uh, team. And uh, so I, I sort of disagreed with like uh, just picking the eight players. I think maybe they could have guaranteed two or three spots, but I feel as though they should have left a couple of spots open uh, because you never know what's going to come through. I mean, uh, uh, and maybe some of them guys are not playing well like before the event and. Uh, and then if you got two or three Americans on fire, like Mike, Mike, Mike Deshane's had a good year, you know what I mean? But he, but he's no chance of making the team. Uh, so for me, I mean, I would have given Mike, Mike Deshane another chance. Uh, I would have definitely kept Johnny and Shane from Bowen in. And then I, and then obviously just, just, just bringing the young guys like Justin Bergman, uh, Jeremy Sausage, uh, just people like that really, like Oscar Dominguez. And then obviously I, I think it would have been better for the team where, the eight players have chosen. No disrespect for them, but I think three of them, I think three of them have really, really, really struggled uh, playing in Blackpool in front of like two thousand people. To be honest, uh, especially without that, uh, especially without the experience, and uh, some of them have never even left. Left. Uh, some of them have never been outside of America as well. So, I mean, that's going to be like a massive shock to them. Uh, well, that's uh, that's been the, big, the one of the biggest criticisms of uh, Mark Wilson's uh, selection process was the inexperience of the players. But when you you go through the inexperience, at what point do you stop stop saying, oh, well, he's inexperienced. You've got Shane, he's experienced. John Schmidt, he's experienced. He's a U.S. Open champion. Corey's a U.S. Open champion. He's experienced. They've all played on the Moscone Cup. Now, then you go after that. Now, when you go to, let's say, Oscar Dominguez, he's played uh, on the Moscone Cup as well. Now, yep. he's won turning stops. Yep. Is, he, is he inexperienced? Well, it'd be like a... It'd be like a uh, uh, well, obviously, be inexperienced because he's never played in Europe. So, uh, uh, if you haven't played in in uh, England before in the Moscow Cup, it's a big shock. Uh, but someone like him would be okay because he's a solid player. But I mean, for me, that they should have kept like the senior citizens of the team, like the 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 anchor man, in my opinion, like Johnny and then Shane, and then like you can pick whoever then really because obviously you got a couple of great players to just uh, shield them and just uh, give them a lot of advice. Where someone like uh, John Smith, he doesn't seem to be playing much, even though he's in the eight, the eight uh, pod, let's say. And obviously, the last time he won a big title was really the U.S. Open 2006, uh, except for the straight pull. But I mean, that's a completely different game. But again, that's at eight, eight years ago. I mean, uh, he was playing really, really good pool then, and he was motivated. Where uh, and then uh, Corey Jewell, I mean, uh, obviously he's had a decent year, but most of his success is playing. Uh, one pocket. So again, I mean, uh, uh, but uh, but with the eight players of Chelsea, I'd definitely pick him in the team. Uh, but I just feel like they've they've left a couple of guys out there who uh, who can't get in the eight. Uh, in my opinion, I would have definitely kept them. And uh, Mike and Shane, I would have given him another chance, even though uh, he, he really struggled with the pressure in the Moscone Cup in 2012. I mean, uh, but uh, but uh, but when you're that young and you're talented like him. You've got to give him a chance, like to build on to like to redeem themselves, and uh, obviously he's going to learn a lot from from his his, his like dis disappointment there. And uh, I felt as if it was a bit harsh for someone like Mike Shane like to be uh, 
thrown out the team really. Uh, uh, and then obviously Johnny still is uh, uh, when he wants to be motivated and plays. He's he's still one of the best players, especially in America. And then you got the the young kid uh, Skylar Woodward. I was a bit surprised that he didn't get chose either for the eight. I mean, he's he's uh, I I I, uh, I really like his uh, fundamentals. I think he's very strong. And uh, when you're playing on television live in front of a massive crowd, your fundamentals have got to really hold up. So I look for the guys who's got like strong fundamentals under pressure. Uh, so I think uh, the likes of Jamie Sauce has got a really good chance because he's very solid under pressure, uh, even though he doesn't do anything outstandingly great, he does everything good. Uh, so uh, you, you, you've got to look to the guys who's got really good fundamentals under pressure because that's what it's going to come down to, like making them big, big uh, pressure balls. Uh, but uh, I brought up like Skyler. I brought up Skyler before. I mean, he, we had him on the on the show uh, a few weeks ago because he seemed yeah. like he just kind of popped up. It came out of nowhere, and it was. Just doing really, really well. Uh, yeah. And I talked about him and Landon Shuffett, and there's, there's people out there that, there's youngsters out there. That, yeah, I mean, Landon, for me, is the number one player after Shane. Uh, but, uh, and I think Landon would have been in the team, but obviously, because he's, he's, uh, he's at school, he, uh, he wanted to focus on his, uh, school and get an education, which is, uh, probably the right thing to do. And, uh, but, so I think he actually turned down the spot, uh, to my knowledge. He, he turned down he turned down the opportunity just because obviously it's a big year for him with his uh, going to uni and stuff. So uh, that's uh, probably the reason why he's not on the team. But in the future, if he does decide to play full, which I don't think he's going to do, to be honest, just because of the state of the game, I think he's, he's going to win them kids. What's going to be very bright is going to is going to be very successful away from pull. Uh, but uh, if he does decide to play pull, then. Uh, uh, for me, it'd be the next Shane Van Bonen in America uh, by a mile. It's not, it's not even close. Out out of all the young players I've seen in the last five, six years, people like him and Jason Shaw are the, are the, are the, are the best young young players who uh, are currently living in America. And there could be even a case for Jason Shaw playing for America. If it, Obviously, uh, if he gets married, uh, he hasn't represented Europe, and his chances of getting in the European team are very slim. The reason why, because he don't play the world ranking events, he doesn't play on the Euro Tour. So unless he wins something like the US Open or a World Championship, his, his, uh, his chances of getting the, in the European team are very slim. So, where but but if if he chose to represent uh, America, which is is uh, entitled to do if he gets married and becomes a citizen over here. Then obviously uh, it's guaranteed to get in the American team, which again would be great for them. I mean, but uh, but uh, but that's down to Jason whether he's whether his act would would be in that like to play for America. Uh, but if I was him, I'd ser- I'd seriously think about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jason's. Uh, I've I've said it before. Uh, I'll say it again. Jason Shaw is going to be one of the shining stars of. Oh yeah, World, I mean his talent's World amazing. World. Amazing talent, amazing potter. Got, got a good break. Just, uh, just obviously get more experience and just work on his temperament a little bit. And once he does that, then he's uh, going to be a world champion. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I'm well, one that, of the biggest fans. That's what I've said about him. Is you know, he's the thing that's going to make him a shining star of pool because he's a little flamboyant and he'll play some erratic shots. You know, that maybe he doesn't necessarily need to play a certain shot. He can maybe stop the ball, but. He, swing around three rails to get the same shot sometimes. Um, 
I think that's what's uh, going to make him a fan favorite because people love to see a fast, aggressive player. Yeah. But that, that's also the same thing that playing somebody like Shane is going to be, Shane's just going to get down. He's just going to do the business. He's not going to be any fancy, you know, flying the ball around. He's going to take his time and do what he needs to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Jason's like Chris Mellon, uh, uh, but Chris Mellon's got a better head than Jason. Uh, but uh, he's, got big, got a, he's got a bigger head. Well, he's got a, uh, a better <laughs> head. Sorry, <laughs> he, he got a bigger head and he's uh, uh, like mentally a little stronger than Jason. But Jason's got the potential to be uh, uh, to be better than uh, Chris, for example. Just but he just needs to work on his temperament. But the reason why I think Jason's going to be so successful is because he loves the game and he he works very hard. Where someone like Chris, even though he's an amazing talent, probably like the best talent I've ever seen in my life, after Ronnie O'Sullivan and Efren Reyes, he just doesn't he just doesn't put the hours in, and he lacks a little bit of discipline. Where with Jason, he he wants to play, he wants to he wants he wants to practice like four or five hours a day, and that's going to be the key to the success. I mean, without the hard work, you're not going to get there. And uh, even though Chris was uh, didn't put the work in like like let, let's say someone like me. He still had his is is he still like successful, but he could have been, uh, but he could have had a hell of a lot more success. Uh, but just that little bit of lack of discipline and uh, dedication sort of like made him very consistent. Uh, where someone like Jason, once he gets stronger mentally and uh, gets more experience, then he's going to be really consistent and he's going to win some world championships. Uh, so, oh, yeah, I mean, uh, I I just hope that Mark Mark Wilson gets it right, and I just hope the players do the right thing. And uh, 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 obviously, I've I've got my opinion which five players he, he should pick, and then uh, uh, hopefully they uh, they they go to England. Even though I, I'm, I have a good chance of playing in the team, I, I really hope they give us a, a good game because obviously. Uh, if we keep if we keep smashing them up like eleven two, eleven three, eleven four, then obviously it's not going to be good for the Moscone Cup in the future years. So for me, I think it's more about this year for America to bring a to bring a bit of pride back to the country and uh, and then obviously build up for build build for the future. Uh, let's say maybe next year when they're at home, it gives them a lot better chance to win. And then obviously uh, in the future years, like they can really really give us a good game and they can get back to maybe winning it. Uh, but in the short term, I, d- I really don't see them beating us this year. And uh, and I've never really thought that before. Like every Moscone Cup I've played, I've always gone there thinking it's a 50, uh, 50-50 match because obviously you look at Shane, Johnny, uh, Ronnie, Corey, Dennis Satch, I mean, they're, they're like great individual players, but obviously they didn't play great as a team. But... Uh, but this year, I just think with the inexperience of them guys, and obviously playing at, playing in in England as well, it's going to be very very hard for them to win. Uh, but 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 it'd be good for them to really push us and uh, uh, play as a team, and then obviously they can build on that for the for the for the future. But I definitely think they've got the the, the best guy for the job. There's no doubt about that. I mean, uh, I know Mark. I've spoke to him. He's a great guy, and uh, obviously he's he's going to be trying his best for the team. And you know what, Darren? We're going to take a quick break, and I, we will be back on American Billiard Radio.
everybody. Marianne here with another Go Play Pool app featured room here on American Billiard Radio. Uh, this week I'm privileged enough to be talking to a fairly famous person. Uh, he won the International Challenge of Champions in 2006. And he has participated in a record 17 Moscone Cups for Team USA. And he just so happens to also own one of the most famous pool halls in the country, the Marietta Billiard Club. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Johnny Archer, how are you today? Hello, hello. How's everybody doing? Good, good, good. Thank you very much for taking time out of your busy day to talk to me and fill everybody in on the Marietta Billiard Club. I know it's pretty famous, but... Maybe there's a couple of people that haven't heard of it. <laughs> no problem, no problem. So why don't you uh, give us a little history about the room and how you acquired it? Well, we're in we're into our ninth year. Um, we acquired it. Kim Davenport and I and a couple other investors, uh, we uh, bought it back, uh, well, a little over eight years ago. And uh, it was formerly called uh, the Pool Room, was mm-hmm. the uh, original name of it. And so... Uh, we bought it and, you know, still going, still going. Now, uh, Kim is not, you know, no longer, uh, you know, he moved on, so he's not no mm-hmm. longer uh, uh, a part of it. But, you know, we're still trying to keep it going. And, and uh, well, I have a new partner to come in. His name is Scott Hobby. And uh, him and I are on it now. And, and it's still Marietta Figure Club. All right. Great. So uh, what do you guys got going on down there? Um, you have tournaments and leagues and all that? We do. We have uh, APA leagues, uh, BCA, well, BCA. Uh, we're not really doing BCA anymore, but we have TAP, and we have NAPA. And uh, Friday and Saturday nights, we have um, a weekly eight-ball tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we do nine-ball on Sunday afternoon. And, you know, the rest of you can always come in and and it's pretty good to get you a drink for you, and uh, we have good food, and, you know, always a good atmosphere, so that's really what we offer. Awesome. Yeah, I would, uh, I want to come down for an eight-ball tournament. It's hard to find a good eight-ball tournament these days. <laughs> Everything's yeah. nine-ball. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, uh, we have a good time. It's, um, we're getting ready to have uh, the Greater Southern Billiard Tour, which is mm-hmm. uh, run by Shannon Dalton, and, right. uh, that's uh, in a, about a week and a half, I think, maybe a couple weeks. And, you know, uh, well, 18th and 19th of October. So okay. uh, he'll be here. And uh, we usually run about three of his uh, events a year. And then uh, we do a little bit here. And it's definitely the home of uh, the John, Johnny Archer Classic that we have. And uh, we're looking to do that again later part of this year. Cool. And, um, you know, that's uh, really what we offer. Awesome, and uh, you know, I know you mentioned you guys have food and stuff. So, yes. what's what's your favorite thing to eat in there? Well, I always eat. Uh, a, it's called a BB steak. It's uh, just really a hamburger patty without the bun, and um, you know they they melt cheese and grill onions, and they can put peppers on it. Uh, so it's uh, it's always fun for me. I always I always eat about the same thing. Same thing every time. Sometimes I go to chicken wings and, and stuff like that, but it's it's nice. I like the sound of that, that uh, yeah. the, without the bread. Who needs the bread? To That's right. Name, That's right? right. Bread always weighs you down. you got to watch out for exactly. that. Yeah. So um, you guys have a full bar too, right? We do. Oh, we do. We offer, uh, we offer all range uh, beers, 
and um, you know, and alcohol. So uh, yes, we have a full bar, and, and um, so you can come in. We'll we'll even get you a ride home. All so, right, uh, very good. Come in, have a little bit too much to drink. Yeah, you got to watch out for our, uh, you know, our Marietta's finest running around. They, yes. they will they will pull you. So you got to watch out for them. Uh, all right. Well, at least you're taking care of everybody. That's good. That's right. That's good. So, uh, what else do you guys got going on? Do you, are you still um, are you still traveling around with Nick? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, no. I haven't done done much with Nick. I just uh, went with Rodney out in Wyoming this past mm-hmm. uh, weekend, mm-hmm. and so uh, Rodney and I are be, will be going to Japan first uh, of November. Uh, we're right. doing exhibitions for for a couple of weeks, and then we'll play the All Japan Championship there the next week, and then uh, so I'm gone for about. Well, about three weeks uh, going over there and, and uh, back home for Thanksgiving. And actually, I'll be going to Florida um, as soon as I get home. My wife, uh, she's always busy with uh, our two kids, and mm-hmm. and uh, they, they play a lot of soccer. My son uh, plays on a U10 or U11 team, and my nice. little girl, she plays on a U17. Uh, nice. So, so uh, it's always busy, and uh, we're going out to Walt Disney World to play a soccer tournament. So uh, All right. as soon as I get home for that, get home, I'll be right back on. You know, uh, hopefully I won't won't be too jet-lagged. Yes, no kidding, huh? Busy guy. <laughs> All right, well, is there anything else that you want to add about the room? Well, just uh, everybody come in, you know, you're going to have a good time there. You know, I'm always in there. If I'm in there, I'm always causing trouble normally. So, uh <laughs> Y'all got to watch out for me. But, uh, but, no, we have a good time. You know, we, we love our customers, and, uh, you know, we love our customers to come in and have a good time. So that's what we aim to please. Great. Well, thank you, Johnny. And uh, for for everyone that doesn't hasn't been there yet, make sure that uh, that you stop in and, and say hi to Johnny and, and the rest of the crew down at the Marietta Billiard Club in Marietta, Georgia. And they'll have a profile on the Go Play Pool app, so check that out. It's free to download for Android and iOS, and you'll be able to uh, look up tournaments and, and find out more information about what's going on down at the room. So, uh, again, Johnny, I really appreciate your time, and, and I know everybody's going to enjoy the interview and, and hearing from you, and, and good luck in, in all your stuff coming up, and good luck to you and Rodney out in Japan. Thank you. Travel. Thank you so much. Well, I want right. to say thank you to you, Marianne, and, and uh, your crew from, from GoPlayPool.com. You're doing a great job, and uh, everybody needs to stick with you guys, and you all always you. Will, will inform everybody to the team. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. It's, uh, it, it's, it's great to hear, especially from, from someone who's been in the, in the business for so long. So uh, thank you. I really appreciate no that. Problem. No awesome. problem at all. Well, you guys have a nice day. Thank you, Johnny. You as well. And I will talk to you very soon. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Go Play Pool Featured Room here on American Billiard Radio. Join us next time. Welcome back to American Billiard Radio, the Legends and Champions Report. Um, we're running a little long again, but I, it's, I think it's uh, all 
interesting. Uh, thanks again. Uh, the, one of the world's great pool players giving us his opinion. So um, we're just going to finish off with the Moscone Cup. Um, you were you were saying uh, that this was a Dan, that this was the first time that you'd got into a Moscone Cup, thinking that you're going to win. Yeah, uh, just because obviously I thought last year was their best team ever on paper, and we sort of like give them a good smashing. Really, uh, we are playing great. We played well, but we didn't play great. I just think they 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 didn't they didn't uh, play as a team, and that was disappointing. Uh, especially for the American fans, because they had like a record crowd there last year. And I think this year we've been in Blackpool. You know what it's like in Blackpool, because you're from Bradford, so you've been there. And uh, you know what the Northern people are like. They're going to be real loud. They're going to be drinking very heavy. Uh, the, the atmosphere is going to be crazy. There's going to be like 2,000 people there. It's an amazing venue. It's just going to be like a big culture shock to some of the players. Uh, even Probably even Shane. I mean, he's going to be like uh, amazed by the atmosphere. So I just find it where we sort of know what to expect and obviously having the home crowd behind us, it's just a huge advantage. And uh, <clears throat> you know, I just find it very hard. Very hard with the eight players he's chosen. No disrespect, I just feel as though he's left one or two players out there what should be in. But obviously he's got his reasons for that. He's trying to build something for the future, give them guys the experience. I just think this year is going to be really hard for them to win. <clears throat> but for me, it's more important for them like to put up a good show uh, and really build for the future, and then maybe next year they can compete, especially being at home. And then obviously just uh, just give us uh, better games in the future, and then obviously they can win it again eventually. Uh, but in the short term, it's going to be very difficult. Well, here's here's the uh, there's a couple of things, and I've spoken about this before uh, with with the venue itself. There's a couple of things. Yeah, and you you you've been, you used to go to the Blackpool Circus, didn't you? Tower Circus yeah. as a kid and, and that. Yeah. Here's, Here's the thing. The, the venue where they're playing is going to be... Shit, how, how far is it across the street to the ocean? You know? Um, you come out of the Blackpool uh, Tower, you go across the tram lines, and you're there, aren't you? Yeah, it's like a five-minute walk. It's not, it's not even that. You just got across the road to get <laughs> yeah, to the... But, yeah, but just basically across the road, yeah. But, so, uh, but, it, uh, but it might take you five five minutes to get across the road with all the traffic. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, and and so there's that uh, humidity factor yeah. that's in there that can't be... I mean, how often do you play that close to an ocean, you know? Yeah. Um, that's that's one thing. Then I have the air conditioning, which they're probably not yeah. going to need air conditioning because it's going to be winter, it's going to be cold. Yeah. Um, but there's going to be a lot of people there as well, so that's going to warm it up a little bit. And this is And this is the other thing about a lot of people being there. What yeah. people maybe have to remember is this venue was the Blackpool Tower Circus, and it's yeah. a Victorian building, yeah. Yeah. which means they built this, the room as, as best they could as an amphitheater, yeah. so that because they didn't have microphones, they had a circus, they had a ringmaster, you know, with yeah. a bull horn, yeah. and and so it had to be created so that people everywhere could hear. Yep. So based on that, the amplified sound plus microphones plus people going bonkers. Oh yeah. Because because they're all got a bit of you know Colin Black label in them or whatever. Yeah. It's gonna be really loud. Oh yeah, it's gonna echo around the arena. Uh, but they have they actually have the uh, snooker shootout there. It's like a one frame uh, shootout rack 
shootout. Uh, they have all the top 64 players in the world there. They're playing a, an, on a shot clock, and the atmosphere is unbelievable. And uh, a few of the players, like Chris Mellon and Carl Boys, have, uh, have been there to watch the uh, snow event, and they said like the atmosphere is incredible. Uh, it's like it's different class to even uh, your call in London. So, so obviously it's going to be nuts, like with uh, with a couple of fouls and uh, uh, pull pull fans like drinking all week, and uh, obviously it's going to be crazy. So yeah, it's going to be an amazing event, uh, <laughs> and it's going to be it's going to be a big, big, big test for the Americans to to see how they handle the, the nerves and the pressure, especially especially for some of the guys who've never experienced that before. Uh, so it's going to be interesting, and uh, I just hope Mark. Uh, I think Mark Mark's the right guy for the job. I think he's. Uh, I like his ideas. Uh, he's, a, he's a good guy, and I think they've definitely made the right decision in uh, bringing Mark as a captain. They, they definitely needed like a leader. Uh, so ho- hopefully for them, it's going to be a success, and uh, you know, lose, and uh, they build on that for the future. Yeah, well, it, it, that, that's the thing. He's trying to build a team is what his concept is. They may not necessarily be the dream team, but you said the hot, toughest team last year, you called, you know, the dream team, which Earl, Johnny, Rodney, Dennis Hatch, Shane, that's, that's a strong team. But yeah. I also remember the Lakers one year, um, they went off. I mean, they had Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, they, they, I forget who else they had, Every, uh, Gary Payne, Everybody on the team was from a, a basically a, a franchise player, the you know the, the one that everybody the superstar of a team, and they grouped all these guys together and they can play together. They just can play together. Whether it's an ego thing, I don't know, but yeah. they can they can do it with the Lakers. Um, but that's you know that's by the by. I guess that's how it. How he goes, but he's trying to build a, a, a team that's based around um, you know t- a teamwork, you know team spirit and camaraderie. And I, you know I'm a big supporter of Metro Sports. I'm, there's no disguise about that. I think Barry Hearn's a, a freaking genius. Um, I love Luke Riches, and um, I, I want you know the, the team USA to do really well. And you know so, but there's criticisms they can be made with just about everything and building a team is a fabulous thing but the mind still has to be there the ability still has to be there for the team to win you know and that's the only thing that scares me is I'm I'm with the some of the naysayers as far as saying the the inexperience might come into play especially with the uh, Blackpool Back to throwing in, so yeah, um, I mean, it's 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 very important to build a team, but you need a leader. I mean, like uh, the, the thing I didn't like last year is that Johnny was made captain. Uh, uh, if if he wasn't playing, I think yeah, great, he'll be a good captain. But you can't play and be a captain, especially in that team, because uh, a lot of egos, a lot of individuals in the team. So Johnny's was like fifty percent thing is trying to keep trying to keep the team happy, but also play as well. And I actually made a quote before the Moscone started last year that I think Johnny might he might be their weakest player uh, last year, and uh, he actually I won't say he was the weakest, but he didn't win a point. He, he he played he played five and lost five, where the previous year he played six and won six. 
So it was a big uh, difference in uh, contrast, uh, really, having Johnny as a playing captain. Uh, very, very difficult to, to to focus on playing it and try and captain that team because obviously there's a lot of characters in the team like Earl, Dennis and Rodney. Uh, so he, he had a really, very tough job. And, he, and when I looked at Johnny, I just could see that he wasn't there mentally. He wasn't enjoying it. Uh, even though I've never spoke to him about it, obviously it's a sour subject, so I, I don't really mention it. But I could see that he wasn't enjoying the. Uh, he wasn't in. It, it was very difficult for him, and he wasn't in uh, join, in in join that role. I I don't think. Well, if he wasn't playing, obviously I think he'd be a great captain. Uh, but I think nowadays it's just like the golf. It's 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 impossible to play and be 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 the captain. I mean, if you look at the European Ryder Cup team this year, like you could just see like how. How organised they were, well drilled. There was a team, no egos in the team, uh, and obviously it, it uh, proved like uh, good. I mean, like golf and pool's been very similar the last uh, uh, ten years, really. I mean, uh, the Europeans seem uh, to have it right with a with, with a team uh, ethics and everything else, and uh, the the they just seem to get it right. Where the Americans are, uh, in golf as well and uh, pool is that they don't quite get it right. Uh, we've like build in a team, and obviously uh, the Americans have uh, got to look at how Europe do it, and uh, and obviously try and get get it back to what it was uh, ten, fifteen years ago. Yeah, that, that I think uh, a problem of being a captain or a playing captain. I think there's got to be a, you've got to have some kind of authority figure. I guess that's a, it's probably not the right way to put it, but. When you look at the coaches, the football coaches uh, for American football, um, or high school or college, that coach is put up on a pedestal. Yes, yes coach, I'll do as you say, give me, get down and give me 50 or whatever it might be. That coach is on a pedestal and what he says goes, goes and you show respect. Now, when you have been playing and struggling through you know, the ups and downs of pool for the last, 25 years, let's say, yeah. with these same group of guys who you're all friends with, and now all of a sudden you've got to be a, you know, not a dictator, but you've got to be, you've got to be the authority figure. It's not that easy to do, uh, to, to be taken seriously. Yeah. Uh, that might be kind of a little bit on what you were saying. Um, yeah. But you guys got your hand back, so... It was a little yeah. doubtful. Yeah, this was going to be Johan's last. Well, Johan was going to quit last year, but uh, myself and uh, one or two other players, we uh, we spoke him into uh, doing one more year. The, the reason why, because he's gone undefeated, but I felt last year was a little bit too easy for him just to go out on that. I felt as if he deserved to go out uh, playing at home in front of his own fans and get like a proper send-off. Uh, so, uh, luckily, he's... Uh, He's uh, decided to uh, do it one more time, even though he's not really involved in the pool world anymore. He's just a great leader, great motivator, and obviously the success is just uh, amazing. What how how he's like transform like European pool and the Moscone Cup team, and uh, I felt as if he deserved to go out to go out on a big eye, been in Blackpool in front of all them people, uh, and uh, I find it hard to see the European team uh, losing this year. And obviously, uh, Johan, uh, is, he'll be desperate to make sure that he wins on his last go and obviously go out on a high and with his own fans and hopefully he, he can have a good party, a good celebration and be a lot of emotion, really. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, but obviously next year we'll have a new captain. 
And I, I even think the Moscone Cup's even got to the stage where you you should be having like an assistant captain. Uh, but obviously, uh, it's just it all comes down to the funds. You know what I mean? Uh, how much matchroom want to pay, or whether that person had just want to do it for the love and the uh, and not for money. I mean, but I think the well, Moscone big Mark like Wilson has that. Else to have an, a, an assistant. Mark Wilson did that. He's got um, a friend of his. Um, yeah, I've heard yeah. Don Wardell, and so. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, and you know, I'm happy for uh, Johan sticking it out another year. Um, yeah. He has he has done a lot, I, and yeah. I don't know how he's done it. Maybe I'm not smart enough to understand because he's oh, he's, uh, he's he's uh, he he follows the players all year. He he looks at the stats. Uh, he uh, works on uh, the mental side of the game, psychology side of the game, uh, keeping us going in one direction. He makes sure there's no egos in the team. Uh, a lot of big meetings, a lot of inspirational meetings, uh, makes you feel like 10, 10 feet tall. Even when you're struggling with your game, they'll like take you to the side and they'll have like a long discussion with you and saying like you should be doing this, you should be doing that, maybe you're doing this wrong. Just makes you feel like a hell of a lot better. Even if you, even if you lose, uh, we make sure we don't go back to the team room and uh, we don't speak we don't speak about losing. So if, for example, if me and Cal go and play as doubles match and we lose. We don't want to go back into the practice room and uh, uh, send and and uh, speaking about oh we should have done this we should have done that I cannot I cannot believe you missed that ball while the next guy is getting ready to go out and play you don't want to be giving the next guy like uh, negative uh, vibes go going out there to play and I think that's another thing where America's got it wrong in the past like a lot of players are going back to the team team room and they're just like crying because they've lost a match and then obviously it affects the next guy going out. So just all that type of stuff, just like small de- detail, really, but very important. Uh, so obviously he's just very good at that, and uh, he's going to be a very hard guy to replace. So uh, well, I can try. It, it I, opens the door. Maybe I'll come and do it. Sorry. Maybe I'll come and do it. Yeah, you could do it. But uh, but also uh, the last couple of years we have had an assistant, uh, Rico Dix, uh, who's also from Holland, who was a very good player in his own right. He lives in London, so. Uh, Last uh, so like uh, the last time we played in the UK, we had a he was the assistant, but wasn't like announced or official. But he was a great help to the team because obviously he's a good guy. He's a, he, he was a very good player, so uh, it definitely helps when you got a couple of guys behind you and they're they're in your corner and uh, patting you on the back when things aren't going well. Uh, but the, it's just very important. I mean, uh, obviously it's a big event that the rivalry is there, but it, but it's like fierce, but. After the event, we're all we're all friends again. Uh, but obviously, for that one week, we don't really speak to the uh, the Americans and uh, vice versa. Obviously, we, we both teams want to win really really bad, so obviously it's good. Well, let me let me ask you this: based on what you know, and I know there's some things that are up in the air. How do you what? How do you see the European team looking? What do you think it's going to look like? Well, I think Niels is guaranteed, uh, and it's looking like the other spots. The other spot's going to be Dennis Grabe or Nick Vandenberg for the Euro uh, ranking spot. One of them two looking favourites for that. So if I have to take a guess, I'll say Niels, Nick Vandenberg. And then the last spot's really wide open. Uh, I'll probably say Albin Auschen. I'm going to say Albin Auschen or uh, Albin Auschen or Dennis Grabe. Uh, no, sorry. I, I think it's between five five players for the three ranking spots. It's between Niels, Nick Vandenberg, Nikos, uh, the, the Greek, 
uh, Albin Auschen and Dennis Grabe. It's going to be, I think it's going to be three from them five players. Obviously, Niels is guaranteed, so it's really like two, two, two from them four players, and then obviously the, the two wild cards. Uh, I would say that at the moment, me and me, me and Carl are the favourites for them two wild cards. But anything can happen because we've still got the US Open coming up. So, for example, you, you can't rule out Torsten, Mika, and Ralph. Uh, so, uh, uh, but if I if I had it my own way, obviously me and Carl would get the wild cards, and uh, I'd like to see Nikos, Niels, and uh, Nick Vandenberg. That that. That would be uh, my five players if I uh, if if I could pick it right now, but obviously if, if someone like Mika gets involved, uh, someone like Mika, Mika qualifies, then great. You know what I mean? Obviously, but whoever the team is is going to be strong. Uh, but yeah, the way it's shaping up. But, it's uh, but the way it's shaping up, I'd, uh, I'd I'd be very happy if it was Niels, Nick, Nikos, uh, myself, and Cal. Okay, let's say that comes true. What do you predict the score to be? Uh, I'd probably say like eleven, eleven six. I think okay. eleven, eleven, eleven five, eleven six. Okay. And That's then hopefully, and then uh, I, d- I just don't want uh, the Americans to really get slaughtered like last year. I mean, even though obviously we just want to win every point and win as big as possible, it'd be really nice if the Americans got pushes like. Uh, I mean, it, they might win. It's nine ball. You never know. Uh, and like uh, you can never count your chickens, and uh, obviously that's the uh, the beauty of the game. Like is that in nine ball, if the other team gets a good start and they, they, they're getting the rolls and they're playing well, then they, they can win, especially in short races. So I, I'm not 100% saying we're going to win, but I'm uh, pretty sure that uh, that this year we, uh, we we will definitely win this this year, in my opinion. Uh, but I just thought well, the Americans give us a, a good game. Here's, here's the, uh, maybe I keep saying it's the last thing, but here's the other thing. Somebody else brought this up, and the you know they say the hardest racks to win sometimes are the first rack and the last rack, and playing against somebody that you should beat. And admittedly, by Team USA as well, they are the underdogs. Yeah. You know, a lot of them uh, have had each of the eight players uh, yeah. on on the show. Yeah, and they've said, "Yeah, we know we're the underdogs, but we're going to yeah. do the best we can, and, and so on and so forth." What yeah. kind of psychological effect could it have on you guys if you know you're supposed to beat these guys? Okay, you, you know you, you're going into it. Even the opposing team thinks they're the underdogs, and you go. Well, that's where the captain. They, yeah, I, I I understand what you're saying, but that's where the captain play our captain, you know, and that's where he's so good. Like he'll make sure we're not complacent. He'll make sure. Uh, we're not going to be thinking like that. Is going to make sure that we're in the right the right frame of mind, and obviously we're very experienced players, and uh, obviously, but we'll uh, also enjoy the event. I mean, it's very important to enjoy the Moscow Cup and uh, in, in embrace the pressure. You know what I mean? If you can't embrace the pressure playing the Moscow Cup, then you shouldn't be there really. Uh, and uh, so uh, there's there's uh, and, and obviously the last maybe three four years we've 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 been the favourites. Anyway, but obviously this year, where if you look at the bookies' uh, odds, we're even bigger favourites. But I still, but I, I don't really see that having an effect on our, on our mentality and our team of how we're going to think. We're, we're obviously we're going to treat the Americans with a lot of respect, and uh, we understand it's uh, nine ball pull and it's a short race, so we have to make sure that we're on our game. And 
I've no doubts that the guys, whoever plays on the team, will be ready for that, and uh, they'll uh, they'll play well. Have you been uh, told yet about the break format? No, I've heard that maybe the one ball on the spot. Well, that's what the we doing We are shotgun. Really? Uh, like a speed speed gun, sorry. Really. Yeah, well, I think last year the break was no good for the Americans because uh, very hard to make a ball, and I feel like at this moment in time uh, we have the edge with the safety. Uh, but the Americans so really fought that without breakers, which I didn't really understand because uh, we had some really big, big breakers in the team last year. Uh, so that and uh, the problem with the break last year is that the nine ball was moving on the break every time. So I'm not. I mean, it's good. It's it's good if the nine ball goes enough to break for you, but. It's not great if you're the opposing team, and then obviously the the with the nine ball spot with a cup break, like uh, you see that the World Cup of Pool. I mean that's that's uh, the cup break uh, with the nine ball on the spot is played all over Europe. I mean, I'm every sorry, did, I, was played in... did you say the one ball on the spot earlier? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, obviously with with the nine ball on the spot, like you see at the World Cup and the and the Moscone Cup in the previous years, it's a big advantage for the European players because they all uh, the, the the European players at every nine ball tournament they play in Europe, it's it's it, it's played with a nine ball on the spot with a, with a three point rule. So they all know the break very very well, and uh, they have uh, they all they all know how to break playing 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 with a nine ball on the spot. Where because uh, I live in America, I, when I went to the World Cup last week, I haven't played uh, cup break nine ball uh, for, since April. So I, I really struggled with the break cause, just because I'm not living in Europe now. It's very difficult to uh, find the break, and uh, but if you but if you're breaking that way all all year, like uh, like uh, the likes of Nick Vandenberg and Niels and Carl, all them guys, obviously it's a big advantage. It's it's basically like playing Shane with his ten ball break. I mean, you're, you're at a twenty thirty percent disadvantage before you start the match, because uh, obviously he, he uh, them guys figured the break out and know exactly where to hit. They know how how much spin to put on the cue ball and. How, how much power and everything else. So it's a big advantage. So uh, I think for America, it would be better to have the one ball on the spot so that you guarantee the ball on the break, but you have to hit the break at a certain speed. And that's where I think the, the mind bring the speed gun in, where you got to hit it at like minimum 21 mile an hour or something. And well, uh, somebody, guarantee... somebody brought that up. Somebody had said that on the AZ Billions forums, uh, said yeah. that that's something. Now, I don't know where you heard that, but and it, it doesn't matter. Um, but you know, if you think it's a reliable source, it surprises me in one aspect because now you had an all another element to it. He, he stopped Corey from soft break, and I guess is what he does. And that's the whole point of what's happened. You know, why it's changed, why they're moving the rack up, why three balls have to pass the head strength. And then I think they had breaking from the box at one point as well. Yeah, we broke in the box last year. Uh, but it's like you say, I mean, uh, the reason why the, uh, they, uh, they use the three-point rule is to stop the soft break, like P, like P for like Corey and all them guys who uh, started it all. They, they, they sort of like ruined it for the game, really. I mean, it, it looked like ridiculous, like when P was looting the, the break so soft and then like the, the control and the, the one ball. I mean, it just looks terrible. Especially on television, where so at least with a cup break, you you got to hit them hard, or like uh, at least seventy five percent power. So it, and it's random whether you get a shot after the break, but with a soft break, you control the table. I mean, it's too easy. 
and uh, where so that's why I think with a one ball on the spot and guarantee the a ball a ball on the break. Let's say the wing ball is going to be guaranteed on the break with a one ball on the spot. But if you got to hit them at the twenty one mile an hour minimum, at, at least it's going to be random whether you get a shot or not after the break. And all and over. And everybody seems to like to see players like it the break really hard, and then obviously you can see the power and the the accuracy and the con the control off the break with a cue ball, which is not difficult when you're hitting the break very hard. So that would be, be better be better for TV, but also it doesn't guarantee you a shot after the break. Where if you're hitting them soft with a one ball on the spot, I mean it's just a joke. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, I'm just wondering how the logistics. I'm wondering how the logistics of having a, a radar speed gun. Involved, who does it? Is yeah. going to be a person designated to stand there? Um, oh, then they'd have a, they'd have like the uh, the uh, the uh, speed speed going in the arena, so you'd see it straight after the break. And then obviously there's uh, it, it's a matchroom event, so they they uh, they don't do anything by hours. Like they do it properly. If they're going to do it, they do it properly. They, they'll have officials, obviously. They've got the referees that. The, the the best referees in the world, the best officials are obviously it's live on television, so there's no messing around when it comes to the matchroom events. They do it properly, you know what I mean? And then obviously, oh yeah, absolutely. I think it'll look good on TV if they do that, and I also think it gives the Americans a better chance because it guarantees them a ball on the break, and that means that they get a lot more table time. Uh, we alternate break. I think uh, it gives them like a it gives them an outside chance to win. Where I think with nine ball on the spot, cup breaking, I don't think they've got a chance. And if they use the same break that they did last year, I think they've got maybe twenty percent chance. But uh, if they use one ball on the spot with a speed gun, maybe it gives them a like thirty percent chance of, uh, of winning the match. Uh, but there's another I'd, sport uh, that you, is there another there's another sport that uses a, a speed gun or something. Well, they, they do it in tennis for the serve. That's it. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and you, what and the speed? You what do you speed? Do you think it should be at? I think 21 mile an hour is good. Sure. I think 21 mile an hour. I think that means you you got through the break at least 80 percent power. Really, I mean uh, the 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 big breakers can hit it like 30 mile an hour, 26 mile an hour. But some somebody like me, I can maybe get to 25 mile an hour. I don't have a big power break, but I'm probably like if I hit them good, maybe 25, 26 mile an hour. But I think 21 mile an hour is good. Because uh, obviously there's some guys who don't break the balls that hard, but they're trying to break them hard. I mean, they shouldn't be getting punished like for for getting under 21 mile an hour. I mean, if he's getting 20, 19, but he's trying his best to break them hard, I mean, it, it sort of ruins his game. You know what I mean? So I think there needs to be a little bit of common sense on what uh, mile an hour uh, the 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 uh, speed you got to hit them at. Obviously, uh, some players break harder than others, but. Uh, uh, just not soft break, you know what I mean? Just te- just taking the soft break out of the game is going to be a, a, a big plus. Right. Well, we'll. I guess all these questions will be answered. Uh, you know, I might I might try and get Luke back on the show. Uh, yeah. And and see if he's willing to, you know, let any of this information officially out. To well, obviously, if you get him back on next month, he'll lay it out because. Um, most of the teams will be picked by then, and they'll they'll know what's going on, and uh, yeah, that that'll be good. Uh, but like you said, like if you're a top professional, there's still tournaments play out there. Like next next week, I play the Challenge Champions, and I go to the U.S. Open, then I play the Make It Happen uh, Akistats uh, Eight Ball uh, in Sandcastle, New Jersey, and then after that, 
go to England to play in the World Pool Masters, which is a matchroom event, and then obviously uh, the Moscow and the Cup. So a yep. pretty busy, busy time coming up, really, but good yep. because there's a, a lot of big time. Right. No, exactly. It's it's, uh, it's shaping up for you know, like like you said, the top few. I don't know. Say top few players. The top the the top players are, are getting an opportunity to uh, yeah. actually make a living. So that's that's always that's a, that's a good thing, you know. And it's just yeah, figuring man. out how do you get how do you bring people how do people get up to that position now because they can't if they're not invited to some of these tournaments. How do yeah. they get to your position without having to go to China, the Philippines, and Doha, and you know those kind of. Well, that's a good thing with all these uh, two thousand dollar entry, one thousand dollar entries. I mean, uh, sixteen players, thirty two players. I mean that 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 is a good stepping stone. But the 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 guys really, obviously, if they're ambitious and uh, they they win a bit of money, they really have to take care of their money. And where too many players that they they get paid, they they win a a decent amount of money and they just go and blow it I mean uh, so it's very very important to look after your money and then obviously you, you just if if you're good enough you'll make it it's, it's as simple as that but it's how but it's how much you want it as well and obviously if they want it and they're good enough then they'll get there it doesn't matter how but they'll get there but obviously you got to take a risk I mean uh, when I switched from English 8 ball to American pool in 2006-7 I took a massive risk uh, I mean like, I was guaranteed like $50,000 a year playing English 8 ball uh, and I didn't have to travel for it. I mean, I, I was playing all over the U, UK, so it was a, a cushy living, you know what I mean? Where obviously I took a massive risk uh, uh, by stop playing that game to come to American Pool, but I had, but I, I was ambitious. I, I wanted that. Uh, I wanted like to be on. I wanted a lot more exposure. I wanted to play globally. I wanted to play against the greatest players in the world. And obviously, I uh, took a massive risk. Uh, to do that, but obviously because I've worked so hard and uh, I've been willing to improve, uh, obviously it's been it's managed to pay off for me. What so, you've uh, done, Darren, you know, without you know blowing too much sunshine off your backside, what you've done over the last few years is pretty amazing, really. Yeah, I you, lead, really. Yeah, I'm still pitching myself. I mean, I still don't believe I'm like one of the best players in the world. I just know that I'm good enough to compete against the best. And that's the most important thing is that I believe in myself. And uh, uh, but you never know when the big, the next big pay check's coming. So when I do win, I make sure I take care of the money. Uh, oh well, so I, obviously I'm very sensible. Well, you see, I, I had this conversation with uh, my Jessica. You, you know my Jessica. Um, yeah. I remember um, talking to you. I, how many years ago was it? It was. It was a, 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 a six years. Six, six years yeah. ago. Yeah. Uh, at the Riviera, and we're talking. And you, you, when, when did you win the World, uh, World Pool World, Masters? No, the World Ten Ball. Uh, no. I won the World Ten Ball 2008, and then in uh, 2009, I won the World Pool Masters in Las Vegas. Okay, it was the 2008, I believe. Yeah. So yeah. we're talking, and I'm saying to myself, man, it'd be kind of cool to do one of these tours that I do with. Uh, Darren is from Yorkshire, just like me. We probably have a lot in common. Uh, we, you know, we were having a conversation, and I, and I said, "Man, I, I know you're a world champion, and I, rem- I, I remember this clearly. But you've got to win more stuff. Your name has to be out there more in order for it to for me to be able to sell it. Because pool is, you know, how it is. You know, it's a yeah. very it's a small small box." 
and to get spread out into the leagues, which is, you know, what is needed to do stuff, you know, you've got to win some major stuff. You've got to be on every magazine cover and all that kind yeah. of thing. And I said, you know, it's, win a couple more things and we can look at doing something. Yeah, I remember that conversation. I think it was in Reno, actually, at the U.S. Bar Table Championships, uh, 2009. It might have been 2009, or it might have been at the Rev in 2008. But yeah, we, we, we had a long conversation at the, in Reno in 2009. I remember it because at the time you was uh, you was you you was uh, back in Hill, Hill, Hill Strickland, I think. Oh yeah, and what basically what uh, right after that, all of a sudden, boom. World Pool Masters, bomb, something yeah. else, U.S. Open, back to back. He was like, yeah. Jesus Christ! I, I mean, uh, <laughs> he, did he did he take me that fucking seriously? So, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I'm I'm uh, I still have to pinch myself. Really, I mean, uh, after I won the World Cup, I was looking back on all the stuff I've won the last six years. I mean, I, I just can't believe it, really. Uh, I mean, like the only big, big world, uh, world title I haven't won, what I really want is the World Eight Ball. I've been to the final a few times, so that's the only thing really missing off the CV. But uh, so obviously that would complete my career, really. But I mean, obviously everything else is just uh, amazing. I mean, if I, if I don't win a World Eight Ball, I'm not going to complain about it. Uh, but obviously, I, I just want to keep winning. Obviously, it's a short career, really. I mean, obviously you 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 can do okay. If, if you, when when you get older, but I don't see myself like a Evan Reyes or Buster Manningham playing at a top level till like I'm like 60, 55 years old. I'm like thinking I've got maybe like seven or eight years left at the top, and then and then sort of like start to look doing other things. Really, I don't think I want to play pool and travel the world for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? How, how old are you now, Dave? Yeah, 38. So I'm still pretty young, really, in pool terms. But I mean, uh, uh, when I get maybe my mid forties to fifty, I'd like to I'll always be involved in pool but I'd like to maybe uh do it do it without the pressure, let's say. Uh, like make a living from the game we out without the pressure, like doing like coaching schools, exhibitions and all that stuff and uh, maybe get a pool room and uh, blah blah blah. So uh because I, I don't I'm not really like I'm not really like a lover of, of travelling around the world. I mean uh sometimes I find it difficult to go some to to like some of these events in like China and Japan, I, I don't really care for uh, for like somewhere. I mean, China, I don't I don't dislike it. I just it's just not my cup of tea. So I, I find it hard really to go to them places, and it's not something I'd think I'd want to do when I get like into my mid forties to fifty. I think I'd like just to more or less play in America really and uh, try. You're fortunate and try. though. You're, you're fortunate though. You've had a good life. You've, you've I know I've said this to other people. You know the amount of places that you've been to and seen. You know, most people is, you know, oh, yeah, in their wildest dreams, they don't get to go to the Forbidden City in China or. Oh yeah, you know. I mean, I, I'm not complaining. I mean, there's just certain countries what you prefer to others. I mean, uh, there's certain places where you, you love you love going back to. I mean, the Philippines, I just love it there. Thailand, all them places. Uh, but there's certain places where you, you just you, you just. Uh, uh, just don't don't look forward to going to a certain place as much as others. So obviously it's not easy like getting on a plane like for fifteen hours, especially when you don't like flying, uh, which I don't. So uh, you don't uh, like flying? No, not really. I mean, it, really, it's it, it, it's okay if you get an upgrade. I mean, it's a lot easier to fly when you're on that business class. But obviously, as uh, 
in the pool world, we're, we're not like tennis players or golfers, so it's not easy just to book a business class every time. So you're sort of like looking for the upgrades from 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 your airline. Uh, so obviously, there's some places that I enjoy going, but I mean, I, I think I'm more of an home person. I, I like I like I like being at home with Angie and stuff like that. And obviously, uh, eventually, we're, we're going to build a family. So uh, uh, obviously, I, I don't think I'd be. Uh, a full-time professional, let's say, when I get to my 50, uh, around like 50 years old. But I still like to make a living from the game, playing around America and maybe giving something back to the game. I, I mean, I think I could organise tournaments, uh, promote the game, do a lot of coaching. I think I really uh, excel in coaching. I think it's a really good uh, strength of mine and uh, I really enjoy coaching as well. So that's something I definitely look looking to do in the future. Uh, well, in, yeah, a of, in a couple of years, you can uh, probably have another... Uh, accolade under your belt. You, so you, you can have another accolade under your belt in uh, in a couple of years. Uh, I don't think there's much doubt that you not go, that you're not going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I was uh, thinking about that. actually on the way home from the World Cup of Pool. I was on the flight, and I'm thinking, well, uh, sort of like because a few people have been mentioning it to me the last year or two, saying that you're going to get in the Hall of Fame. And then I'm thinking, well, I don't feel as though I should be in it yet. Uh, but when I look back now, I think, well, it's only two years away. Well, uh, 18 months away, really, from when I'm going to be like turning 40 years old, which will let me uh, eligible to to get in the Hall of Fame. And I think, well, looking at my CV, I thought, yeah, obviously I've got a great chance. Uh, and uh, quite weird, really, to think that uh, after only playing American Pool really seriously full time since 2008 that in six years I've achieved what I've achieved and obviously uh, someone said to me in 2008 that in uh, in uh, eight years time you're going to be in, in, inducted into the Hall of Fame I mean uh, I wouldn't believe them so I mean it's pr- pr- pretty incredible really like when you listen to it like yeah, now, it now, it now you've mentioned it and I'm looking at it that way I think yeah it's pr- pr- pretty incredible really what I've achieved uh, but I don't let it get to me. I, I don't let it affect my life. I mean, I'm still the same person as I was when I first started playing. Uh, I'm a completely different person away from pull. Uh, just very laid back and chilled out and just uh, don't take life too serious. And uh, obviously, yeah, just uh, try and enjoy my life. I, I just look at pull as my job. It's my passion. Uh, uh, still look at it as an hobby, really. I mean, uh, obviously, I treat it more of a job than what I used to do. A lot more professional. I don't really drink it. Uh, at events, I don't take drugs. Uh, never took drugs in my life, so obviously uh, I've worked really hard and I'm uh, mentally very strong. I probably say that's my number one. My number one strength is my mental strength. Uh, I don't have the talent of some players, but mentally, I think I'm as good as anybody in the world. And uh, obviously, that's managed to get me where I am now. Yeah, I mean, if we look, look back again, you know, I'm not. I don't want to kind of rehash it, but from that conversation that we had. 2008, 2009 ish, to now, and you look at, I don't have it in front of me, I'm making it up, but two time world champion, back to back US Open champion, back to back challenger champions champion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could say three time. I mean, like, uh, the world, the world, the world, the world straight pull would make it three times world champion, but obviously it's not an, an official world championship. Uh, still, still a great title to win, but in my opinion, the World Straight Pool uh, title it should be really called the U.S. Open Straight Pool Champion. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't really feel like it's a World Championship, even though it says that on the trophy and everything else. 
but it would have been nice if I won the World Straight Bull Championship uh, where it's like a, a sanctioned tournament. But unfortunately, it's not sanctioned, but obviously it's the biggest straight bull tournament out there. So, I mean, there's a lot of people who think I'm uh, that, that are calling me World Straight Bull Champion, but I mean, that's what the title says, but uh, I don't look at I don't look at the world straight ball title as big as uh, it, it's nowhere near as big as the world nine ball and the world ten ball. But but obviously when the world world club pull that's like a, a world title. Obviously it's not a world championship, but it's still a great title. Obviously the the world team championships what we won in two thousand ten. Uh, they're like big big titles. What I'm really really happy uh, to have achieved. Obviously winning the world pool masters. So I, I've I've got quite a lot of world titles to my name, but obviously the biggest two is. The biggest two is the World 10-ball, the World 9-ball, and then after that, I'd probably say the, 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 the U.S. Opens. Well, and here's the, here's the other thing. We're talking about what your accolades are right now and your yeah. resume as, as we sit right now. And you're saying, you know, maybe another eight years. Uh, yeah. you give yourself another eight years. And even before you get right now, if you quit playing tomorrow, yeah. I believe you're qualified, more than qualified, to get into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's well, why I'm going to away, so... I'm only 18 months away to get uh, to go on the to get a chance of getting in there. So well, there's still more happens. things. There's still more things yeah, I mean, to win. Who knows? That's the thing is, I still I still believe I'm I'm improving in the game. I still think I've uh, still still a lot to learn because I I've not been playing that long. So I, I still feel really young in the game. I still I still feel hungry. I still feel like I've. I can practice more. I can work on my break, which is a real weakness. I mean, I don't break bad, but I don't break anywhere near as good as the top players, like Neil Fine, Shaman Bowen, all them guys. So that's something I will be doing now. I've got my table at home. I'm going to be really working on my break, uh, working on my game, just looking to improve my game all the time. And I really believe that I've got the best years ahead of me. Yeah, I mean, uh, I still think I still think I could be a lot more consistent, and uh, I still believe I'm going to win a lot more big tournaments. So that's a good mindset to have. So, uh, well, I hope, I hope so. Fun. I hope so. You've, you, yeah, you've done so real well, and I, I'm uh, still hope hungry. It continues. Hope it continues. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm uh, still motivated and still hungry for more success. And hopefully, uh, if I do the right things, it will come along. Right. Well, I, I know there's another side of you that uh, other people don't get to see. Um, yeah. Yeah. On TV, I look like miserable, but uh, off the table, we have a lot of good fun. Yeah, well, you you know what you are. You you you've made me laugh so many times. Yeah, we had some good laughs. We had a good uh, two two week tour with Nick Van, and we had uh, a lot of banter, uh, a lot of uh, pranks. That's good. But, well, there were pranks to you. To me, they made me look a little bit stupid sometimes. I remember the steakhouse. Where I can't yeah, but you. when you look back and you uh, you're like telling your kids, you'll uh, you'll enjoy the stories. Yeah, that's right. Everyone's different in the in life, like so. It's good that we're all different, and we all like. Uh, we, we, uh, if everybody were the same, it'd be a boring world, right? Yeah, that's right. That's what they say. Well, well, listen, I, Darren. I tell you, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, little lad from West Yorkshire's done good, and yeah, I appreciate all your opinions and mm. your insight into the you know from an expert. I mean. Yeah. A lot of us can say we're experts. I, you know, I sometimes think I'm an expert. Yeah, you're pretty good at the job, pal. You're not. You're not doing bad. <laughs> but also, I just like to say that uh, that uh, Doug Gordon from uh, UK. I don't know if you know Doug Gordon. Yeah. Uh, he's wrote a letter off to the uh, to the royal family to try and get me uh, a knighthood. So uh, that'd be <laughs> really? nice. 
That's a bit the ice on the cake, really. If I could get. Oh could get my God! If I if I had to call you Sir Darren, Sir Dan. <laughs> Yeah, that would be nice if you had to call me that. That that'd be really good. That that'd like be the ice on the cake if I get you to say uh, Sir Darren. Oh, good lord! Can you imagine? Can't uh, so we'll, be no we'll, end to it. You'd we'll, be walking we'll around see. with a, you'd be walking around with a sword and stuff. The pool helmet. Yeah, that'd be good. But uh, but that's only downside with pool is that we don't get the recognition we deserve, especially in the UK. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, and obviously, I'd like to thank my sponsors, Predator Cues, uh, Strap and Cloth, uh, who are based in the UK. Uh, they do all the cloth for the snooker tournaments and some of the pool tournaments, and, and Diamond Billiards, who have been really good to me. Without them, guys, it's very difficult to uh, to play the game for a living. Absolutely, yeah. We Everyone needs all the support they can get. And, uh, yeah. yeah. I, well, again, I appreciate it, and... Uh, Hopefully I'll get to speak again soon, maybe a little bit closer to the Moscone Cup when we find out what the teams are. Maybe I can get you back on here and uh, see, see yeah, what... Yeah, that would be good. Uh, maybe get me and, me and, me and Carl at the same time. That would be a good laugh. Because uh, Carl's also from Bradford, which you, I don't know if you know originally. Is he from, so I mean, from Bradford originally? Yeah, so it would be good life if we get three Yorkshire guys who uh, nobody understands on the show. That would be good. Get Melon on as well. He's from. He was like. He lived at one point in the village of Whipsy. That was, you know, from Bradford. Yeah, he lives in Keighley. Yeah. Yeah. So, he's, he's 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 always lived in Keighley, but he spends. But he he actually practices in uh, Bradford for the snooker. He, what what he do you know? Where, where's he play? Uh, he plays at uh, Kew Gardens in Bradford. Oh, that's Joe's place. Joe Johnson's place. Yep. Yeah, I know he's been getting a bit of coaching off Joe Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, boy, I, I've got some stories about that, but I'll, that's a whole other one. But yeah, Save thanks, it when mate. You get us all on there. Yeah, <laughs> cheers, mate. Work. I appreciate right, it, cheers, and uh, thanks yep, for having me on the show. No problem. And Take that care, was mate. Darren Appleton. Um, great guy, done a lot. Um, continues to work to, to better himself and better the game. So. I think this, I know this has been a long show. I think Dave Bond's probably going to uh, cut this up a little bit and maybe put into two parts or two segments. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I think it's always interesting to get the perspective of the professional players, the real experts. As I was saying, Darren, we've got experts. I, I, I consider myself an expert, whether I write, rightfully so or not. But I don't know how the inner workings of the game. There's a lot of things that are left out that I don't have to understand. And uh, and so, you know, it's, it's good to hear that perspective. It's what's going to come, picks, uh, theories, and everything else. So we appreciate him being on. And that will be it for this week. It might be part two. This might be the end of part two of the Legends and Champions Report. American Billiard Radio brought to you by... Neil's Garage Cabinets of Mesa, Arizona. And until next week, we'll see you then.